Hello, my name is Ben. And my name is Martin from Soupmasters. And we are your hosts of the Two Vague Podcast this week. One word, two hosts, stories, trivia, and video games. Martin from Sweden. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Excellent. We just moved into our new offices here in Gothenburg, Sweden. So there's been uh, a lot of things to carry around, but uh, we're finally settling down and uh, we got the heating to work here in the cold Sweden. But more importantly, do you have all your desk tchotchkes all placed where they're supposed to be? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it it takes a lot of time to get off all of that settled in. We actually, um, Ludwig, the animator, he works on a um, very big 48-inch television. Oh, wow. Which is like right up his face. Yeah. We have to be really careful when moving that one around. Soup Masters, if you caught my episodes about PAX, I told you about this game that I saw there called Big Boy Boxing and Martin and Ludwig. I guess you're the main designers for this project, yes? Yeah, so I'm I'm the main game designer and game director, and Ludwig, which I just referred to as the main animator and art director. Okay, and then you have a team of how many people at Soup Masters making this game? Is it just a, a very small team of like a dozen people, or do you have a larger team? Or We're currently quite small. Like It's mainly just me and Ludwig, actually, that you can say work full-time on the game. However, we do work with like eight, nine, ten different uh, contractors that helps us with animating the game and uh, doing some code work and stu- uh, stuff like that. I don't want to get too far in the weeds before we introduce the word, but contracting other people to do certain work like that is that a common indie game thing or is that something that's just happened over the course of the last 10 years i feel like it's uh, with the the climate of having like you know it, it it becomes more and more usual to have remote work you know working with people like across the world in different time zones yeah and then the kind of easiest way to get going is to have like a commission contract based with them instead of having some more formal sort of hiring agreements. Okay. That's probably another episode entirely how that stuff works in Sweden as opposed to other countries. But <laughs> our word this week is the word animate. But before we animate the word animate, I guess... <laughs> what are you up to you told us a little bit about what you're up to as far as moving the office and getting all that all settled in is there anything that you're doing recently that you're excited about yeah well the stuff we're working on when it comes to the animations is super exciting we're like working on adding even more expressions to the characters in big boy boxing than we even had before so um seeing like the progress of that is very satisfying but the other side of it is also like implementing the animations into the game engine. That that has been the biggest time sink, I think, uh, we've had in the development so far. And we're working on like a very flexible way of handling that moving forward. Mm-hmm. And that's like really exciting to to work on. Cool. Also, like personally, what games are you most excited about that are coming out that you're playing? As a developer, you've got to be also a fan. Yes. I just make the games. I don't play them. I don't know if there are any of those folks out there. Yeah. (laughs) I have like three, four unopened games. That's just waiting for me at home to be played. 
I just don't have. Uh, I'm trying to find some time this weekend, but I know I won't have any time this weekend, unfortunately. So I'll try to find time like next week to play those games. For me, these games haven't released yet because I haven't had the time to check them out. But it's like Super Mario Wonder. Oh, it's this yeah. new Spider-Man game. Mm. Um, it's uh, it's Red Dead Redemption One. Also, it's like. I think they remastered it for the PlayStation 4 and 5. So I just saw it on like a store shelf and I was like, wait, that game is available? Like, why haven't I played it? <laughs> you know, like, I thought I had, had to like uh, get a PlayStation 3 to play that or something like that. But uh, Red Dead Redemption, the first one, right, has one of my favorite bugs. I, it's got to be a bug where you have the dead eye thing where you slow down time and you can target things. But what you can do is you can manipulate the controls in such a way you engage that slow, for example, on a bird. If you switch to a Molotov cocktail or dynamite, and then you turn your body away from the bird and you throw the dynamite, it will like boomerang. <laughs> it'll, it'll go and boomerang into the, into the bird. It looks so ridiculous, but it's so much fun. <laughs> I remember that's like one of my favorites. Like, this has got to be a bug. Either that or someone saw it and no, we're going to keep it in because it's fun. Okay, so those are your big three that you're excited about. The new Spider-Man 2 is what I'm guessing? Or is it the remaster? No, it's Spider-Man 2. I've taken a different route when it comes to pre-ordering. And that, for me, was RoboCop Rogue City. I'm really excited about that. Spider-Man 2, also excited about, but I'm going to wait for it to come out in price. I know it's going to be brilliant coming from Insomniac. They really can do no wrong. Look at their last games. Hit after hit after hit. But yeah, Robocop Rogue City. That just looks so amazing for such a small team. It just seems like a passion project. Have you heard about that at all, the Rogue City? I would never have guessed it was developed by a smaller studio. It looks amazing. Uh, yeah. I got instantly you know vibe like cyberpunk vibes yeah. of course and uh, the gameplay looks really like fun and action-packed and actually for a while like a few years ago i used to just binge these um boomer shooters and this feels like that kind of type of shooter game where i can just play and have a good time and just you know shoot shoot and uh, destroy everything feel almost invincible I saw a little video snippet uh, where they talked to a developer about this and about how they had to keep in mind that RoboCop is a slow tank-like character, right? So you have to develop the game. It's not like you're running around like a lot of other first-person shooters and going really fast. They have to design the game around the way the character behaves, and that was kind of one of their challenges was this is a slow character and he's going to be slow, but that's part of how you have to balance the game because that's RoboCop. That's the way he is. I am hoping that the hype of the demo that people have said that they're very impressed with this. I hope that's all real. I'll find out. I put in the pre-order, which means I have access to it on October 31st. We'll see. I'm excited about it. Being a fan of the movie, too. The Verhoeven, the original one. The second one was okay, but the first one was just kind of a masterpiece. Were you familiar with that movie, Robocop? I've only seen the first one. Uh, actually, I did also see the 
remake. Like they made a remake on it. Yeah. I actually saw that one first and then I saw the original. Which one was your favorite? The first one. <laughs> he asked knowingly. Yeah. <laughs> Watching sort of like the making of RoboCop specials documentaries, there's a Netflix, the movies that made us. There's a really interesting one about RoboCop. Paul Verhoeven, he just tossed it and his wife read it and said, you know, you should take a look at this. You should, there's something here. Definitely a great movie. The perfect storm of the way it was made. Not for everyone, but what is for everyone? Really excited about that game coming out. I hear Super Mario Wonder is amazing, though, by the way. I hear it is amazing. I'm very, like, tempted to go back home and just play it for, (laughs) like, the entire night. (laughs) Um, Every time there's, like, a new, especially, like, a new Mario 3D game, um, that's, like, usually, like, my favorite game Mm -hmm. that year. This Super Mario Wonder really seems like, I really like the new Super Mario Bros. games, like, like they're very nostalgic for me but um personally i think donkey kong has been better like donkey kong country returns is like the platform like 2d platformer that i prefer right but with the super mario wonder it really seems like that opinion might change would you consider yourself a nintendo guy more than another platform like if you had one system that you had to choose between all your systems I think if we compare it to the other like the consoles, you know, then I think Nintendo, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But that's also because like Nintendo is like the only platform left with like really exclusive uh, IPs. A lot of these uh, other games are like, you know, on like PlayStation and Xbox. They're available on Steam or on PC, mm-hmm. and I prefer to play them there because you know you can kind of get better performance better graphics on on a pc than you can on a console right i do play like let's say the new spider-man game i will play that on the playstation 5 but um i might you know repurchase it on pc to enjoy later on after i you know played played the initial hype so to say yeah what i do with games is i play them once and then i'll put them away and it's like i'm looking for the next thing Mm. Franchises are great, but I I want I want unique experiences and I want something new in general. There are some exceptions, like you know, I am playing God of War Ragnarok right now. A little late, but I'm I'm finally getting to it. It's great. And then also Horizon Forbidden West was amazing. I enjoyed that too, as far as your your titles. But those are also, like you said, they're coming out for the PC too lately. Yeah. But I mean, I would consider those PlayStation exclusives to a point, whereas Nintendo, there aren't any Nintendo games on Steam, nor will they probably ever be. I have to say, though, generally, like, um, I would be more of a PC guy, actually. And like, um, if you look like beyond consoles, I think I've spent so many countless hours on PC games, Mm -hmm. Um, especially number one is Minecraft. That game is uh, I think I mean it's just countless amount of hours in that game and it, all because um, you know kind of my career in programming or like you know game development started as creating mods and plugins in Minecraft so that's a really special game for both me and Ludwig actually which is the uh, art and animator on Big Boy Boxing. So is that how you guys met was through that community? 
or were you like lifelong friends or no we actually met in what's it's called high school okay like the first time we ever met we were kind of like we weren't really friends like we we both thought like oh we're probably never gonna hang ever together (laughs) but then we kind of did once and we started to talk about a a game right like a fighting game and we just bounced off each other's ideas and then it you know became a concept and we developed that concept and actually you could say that big boy boxing is the final result of that concept you're mentioning that when we were talking about this at the show there was initially an idea that you had for something that was a more of a super smash brothers style game yes yeah and it started on like we we had a that super smash Bros. spider game that in itself had like multiple stages you know like in its development mm-hmm. and uh we put a lot of effort into that title but then we kind of just realized a few years in that we didn't work on it super seriously because we were you know still in school right but we kind of realized that there is already so many good uh, super smash bros inspired titles that we just thought that our title w- wouldn't really um, provide anything. We thought our characters were the best part of the game, but we also thought that probably we should choose another type of game to preview the characters in. The punch-out kind of formula lends very well to, you know, highlighting as like the, the, the opponent. Right. And it's not one that people have... I mean, I can't think of any other punch-out style games right off the bat. That's pretty much a class of its own, and you don't see any anything like that that's really inspired by that. I mean, unless I'm wrong, do you know of any other games that are kind of use the, the punch-out presentation? I've seen a few games doing it, but the most interesting examples of it, I'm going to say two, two examples, is uh, the game Enter the Gungeon. Oh, yeah. It has a rat boss, which is very, or at least to me, clearly inspired by Punch-Out. And I, I think that's super fun. And another one, which might not be as clear, is Deltarune. Okay. It has a fight against, in Chapter 2, called the Queen. They don't actually box. I think it's more like, like I think she does some special attacks, and she even, like, yeah. Uh, picks you so it's not i guess a real boxing match but it's still like clearly inspired by the punch out formula and that's that's awesome yeah but what you're doing is more i mean it's not like about a single boss fight it's about doing a spiritual successor i think or at least that's what it feels like to me it feels like there's more story there even in that little bit that i played with the demo hank even just that little bit it shows that you've got an interesting story to tell i'm really excited to see the full product once it's finally done how far into development do you uh, guys think you are now do you have like okay so it's this percentage done or is that a moving sort of target we do have like um a sort of measurement to it but it's the problem is like um we don't have any you know dedicated producer on the project so it's at times it's better for us to just not plan and just you know finish stuff because it's uh, like you doing like a producer role you know making everything uh, planning everything it takes a lot of time and effort mm-hmm. and at certain stages it's super worth it for us to plan things out but at the moment we're trying to wrap up the new like the final version of the game with the, no, like the final version in a sense of like architecturally having a stable 
final version ready so that we can launch a build of the game with mod support and uh, some more characters. All of which rely heavily on this week's word, which is animate. And I will leave the Swedish pronunciations and whatnot up to you, but we'll start with the definition. Thanks to Oxford Languages. Thank you, Google Machine. The word animate. They have two listings here, but they're pronounced two different ways. So let me start with the one that we're going to focus on, which is the word animate, a verb to bring to life, give inspiration, encouragement, or renewed vigor to give a movie or character the appearance of movement using animation techniques. And then what's the Swedish translation of animate? Animira. Animira. Okay. That's the Swedish translation the second it has a different pronunciation but it's spelled the same animate alive or having life lively or active or animated is animate is there a a translation in swedish for that what they have listed here is l-e-v-a-n-d-e like levande it's like alive levande like the living living i guess yeah okay but we're focusing on the first the verb definition for our show but i just thought i would mention that it's got two different pronunciations in english but it has two different distinct words in swedish which i find interesting the origin of animate late middle english from latin animat instilled with life from the verb animari animare i don't know how to pronounce things when i'm just going to say them phonetically animare (laughs) or at least phonetically in English, and from anima, life, and soul. There we go. Martin, what does the word animate mean to you? The big boy boxing is is all about high frame rate animations, you know, that makes makes the characters feel, the more we animate them, you know, the more they feel like real characters, like a tangible character. You're bringing them to life. Exactly. The thing is, like, it... Um, were heavily inspired, of course, by Punch-Out. You can see in that original game, and by the way, just, you know, for clarity, like that game is, um, it's an awesome game and, you know, it's a technical feat of its time. It's a really important game. Are you talking about the arcade or the Nintendo Entertainment System or both? It could possibly also apply to the arcade one, but specifically the NES Mike Tyson one. Okay. And the reason is because, like, the way they displayed such a big moving character, relatively speaking, to the other games on that platform. It, it's a marvel that they could get the animations to work so fluid in, in that game. We're trying to basically make the game feel like a moving Disney cartoon. In those like Disney cartoons, they have like, you know, incredibly fluid animations where they're they're like yeah, it's like twenty-four frames per second or 25 frames per second and that means you know every second of movie the animators has to draw 25 distinct images to make that feel like uh, it's a living character yeah and we're doing that but with a with the kind of um, extra thing to think about with the you know being a video game it's interactive we had to make the animations incredibly modular at the same time as making them in high high frame rate, which is uh, it's isn't easy. 
as it relates to the way big boy boxing looks specifically, when you make those animations, do you do them like a cartoon, like you would do in the old days when you're doing cell after cell, like your traditional animations, and then transfer that to a pixelated look? Or do you do them all in pixels in the computer to begin with? Or is there sort of a, a process to drawing it, scanning it? Like, what is the process to going from an animated sort of thing that looks like a cartoon to something that looks pixelated? It's very different from different processes and even like with different animators that we're, we're working with. When Ludwig does an animation from start to finish by himself, he does that all inside of a sprite. Everything is pixelated from start to finish. Okay. But when we work with some other animators that you know has uh, less experience with pixel art, but are you know really good cartoon animators, then you know we let them use um, the animations that they are familiar with, and then we pixelize them and you know make any adjustments that's needed right any cleanup or anything exactly and actually like the animators that we're working with has you know animated on some of the best animated movies ever made in my opinion and i think in a lot of people's opinion so it's great to have someone like that you know like interested in our project and working on it that's very cool are any of them most familiar with flip books i'm familiar with flip books yeah i was trying to make a joke there like, that's my preferred method of animation is using a flip book. <laughs> uh, Did you ever used to do that when in high school you would like in the corner of the textbook, you draw little pictures and then you'd flip them and show a guy shooting another guy or whatever. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah it does like this. Um, do you know what the, uh, what, I think it's a book. I think it's a movie now as well, but it's called like uh, Captain Underpants. Captain Underpants. And they had this like thing called a flip o rama, I think it was called. And it's basically like like uh, a flip book where you can see like a man, you know, punching like something, and like you would have you know two pages which you flip very fast, and you you could you know uh, see this uh, you know animation kind of happen. And I remember being inspired by like that book or cartoon, whatever, and I like made my own like um, you know basically animations with the with that uh with that method <laughs> yeah i wasn't familiar with captain underpants illustrated children's novel series by american author and illustrator dave pilkey is that who what you're talking about that is yeah that's uh, awesome stuff <laughs> there was also a sequence in the movie hot fuzz did you ever see the movie hot fuzz I've seen it multiple times. Yes, that's a wonderful movie, by the way. It's like my favorite, Edgar Wright. Well, I don't know. Not my, f maybe, speaking of animations, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, also pretty high up there on my list of, of his movies. But anyway, Hot Fuzz, the way that when they're talking about using their notebook, and it's like, this is the most important tool that you have. <laughs> yeah. You should think about using yours. And it's like, oh, I do use mine. And then... They do that whole flip book thing. That's hilarious. I giggle at that every time. It's a genius movie. Agreed. One of my faves. Is animation mostly Ludwig's thing or were you appreciator of, of animation? When you think of animation, 
Is it more of a hobby or is it more of you appreciate it for what it is kind of thing? Like you enjoy the craft of someone else doing it or do you enjoy doing it yourself? I don't really enjoy animating myself. It's a lot of things to do, but when it comes to like the directing process of what kind of animation style and, you know, what methods mm-hmm. we're using and as well as that, the, the tools that we use to animate is something that I have to handle. But um, it's definitely something I do appreciate. And like the, the games I am personally like, you know, just uh, drawn towards are the ones that are have some very interesting visual style and animation to them. You said drawn towards. That's pun intended, right? <laughs> drawn. Exactly. <laughs> and one of those games was Cuphead, which was a game like I followed way before it got any attention from the Xbox uh, reveal they did. I just loved the idea of, of making an animated movie in the game. Mm-hmm. And another game is Pizza Tower, which like I followed that game also. Since I think the Sage demo, I followed it like very rigorously. And I just thought that, you know, that game looked so well animated and I love the fluidity and the inspirations that, you know, the animations are inspired by. So those types of game is like my jam. What about Skullgirls? Cause I remember when Skullgirls came out, that was another one of, it's supposed to look like this old sort of classic animations. You remember when I said, you know, we, we made a super smash bros type game, you know? Yeah. So I just checked out all the fighting games. So I'm, um, so I did, try out Skullgirls quite a lot, but the, it was like, I never really uh, got hooked into that game. Uh-huh. To, to have a lot of enjoyment on that game, you, you probably need to beat two people to, you know, play it. And I usually just, you know, played against bots and play that game for like research yeah. purposes. But <laughs> yeah, the an, animations are, <laughs> are really well done. And I think they made another game, which also was really well animated. Indivisible. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, yes, yes. I have it for the PlayStation 4. It's a really cool, well-animated game, and it feels really... It's a fun game to play. It's got an interesting sort of battle system. It's timing-based, I guess, not really turn-based. Yeah. It's a really fun game. If you have a chance to check it out, definitely check it out. You know, you said you did research on fighting games. Did you do research on them's fighting herds? Because talk about unique animations. I know the game. But I think I checked it out like after our game had already, right about the time we stopped working on that game. No, I, I actually haven't played that one. Yeah, the My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Apparently one of the, the main designer of the, the show cartoons had some input into the actual new designs when I think it was Hasbro said, cease and desist we don't want this my little pony fighting game and then lauren faust who was one of the friendship is magic animators she said hey let me work on some of the designs and the characters and the stories for this unique group of characters all hooved animals but it's a very interesting sort of fighting game it's a little too juggly for my taste. You know, like you get the juggle combos and trying to keep people up in the air. As someone who wants to fight against someone, when you're being juggled, it's not fun. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing about developing a fighting game too. Something like a Super Smash Brothers, I would say, is 
getting that balance right because some of the most infuriating Super Smash Brothers play sessions I've ever had, I could just put the joystick down and let the guy just finish the juggle move right and then pick it back up again like that mm. it's that annoying sometimes that was i think big reason why we actually moved away from that project because uh, we wanted to put all our effort into like creating these cartoony characters yeah instead we had to make sure that you know the game was competitively viable and you know a fair game because you always risk like a multiplayer game you know it's more fun for one player than than the other there's a balancing thing that has to occur exactly and the thing is, like a single player game, you can always make the uh, you know non-playable character, like you know the boss in in our case, the donkey of the joke, if that makes sense. Like we can always you know make make the game more enjoyable for the player. But when you have like two actual humans that both need to have fun fighting each other, where only one can be a victor, it's inherently like a very hard decision. Yeah. So um, we just wanted to focus on the characters, the story, and the gameplay rather than the balancing of it. When I talked to you at PAX, you said that you got a lot of inspiration, and I'm guessing by you got a lot of inspiration, both you and Ludwig, I'm guessing, are inspired by American cartoons, you said? Yes. Especially, like, for example, the older Disney animated movies, mm -hmm. as well as Looney Tunes. Tom and Jerry is a big one. There's a lot of different cartoons that uh, that inspire us. And a lot of cartoons which we, you know, it's a very fun, in quotes, job that we have because we, we have so much fun when we make the game. And it's like, we watch these cartoons and like, oh, this concept here, this animation was cool. Could we use that for one of our moves? Some other like non-American cartoons as well as, for example, I think it's called Treasure Island. It's the one with Dr. Livesey. There's a lot of ins inspirations from a lot of different, and even like more modern cartoons has also been uh, inspiring. Not in, in the same way as, as the older ones, because in my opinion, like the older cartoons are just, they're animated with like so high frame rate. They're so costly to make and they feel so fluid. Whereas uh, the modern ones have, you know, advantages of their own, but um, generally they're produced in, in a way where um, the actual animations aren't the focus and it's more focused on like, you know, like uh, the concepts behind it. One example is like Rick and Morty. I love that show um but it's animated in a different way where you know it's not as much focus on the movement as let's say you know the beauty and the beast or the lion king yeah see rick and morty yeah yeah that's that's a there's sort of a i guess a sticky wicket here with justin roiland being embroiled in controversy so he was removed from the cast of rick and morty have you seen the latest season of rick and morty or no i i did to watch the first few episodes of um, I think I've seen two episodes, maybe, maybe one. I'm glad the show is back, but I think I didn't really enjoy that episode. It was about the character that I really liked, but I thought it was kind of a weird story. And it was about this uh, Poopy Butthole character. Oh, Mr. Poopy Butthole, yes. The infamous Mr. Poopy Butthole. <laughs> Not to spoil, but I'm going to say one el element of it, but it's like this, uh, there's a predator involved in it like a you know predator you know the like the arnold schwarzenegger movie <laughs> gotcha i kind of lost interest if we're discussing the show as a whole when it sort of jumped the shark for me was pickle rick <laughs> um, 
It was season three, I think. I enjoyed some of the things where they took bits of references to other movies and shows. Are you familiar with the episode Raising Gazorpsorp? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the episode where Morty gets the sex doll thing. And are you familiar with the movie that's referenced in that episode? No, I don't think so. The movie is called Zardoz. The whole episode sort of uses the Zardoz concept. It's a movie that Sean Connery was in. I think it was his next after he stopped being James Bond. At some point, look up the trailer for Zardoz. But it came out in 1974 and it had that stone floating head in the background. That's kind of what happened. You had the higher society and the stone head transported them. It was an homage to that. But I was like the only one of my friends that knew that reference. And it's like some of those references are great because it's like, oh, I know this movie. This is the, this is making fun of this thing. And then when they started getting later on in the seasons, I think they started taking themselves a little too seriously, maybe in the writing, but I don't know. I, I'm still going to watch season seven, even though the voices are different. Does that bother you at all? The voices being different? Or do you watch it in Swedish so you don't know that it's any different? Do they have a Swedish regions? I watch it. <laughs> no, no, no. No, it's English original. Okay. Um, we consume like the media in, uh, like, for example, the American media in, in you know, English American. It's almost a bit like, I guess it depends on like who you ask, but generally uh, people would think it's a bit lame reserved for maybe children to like see a movie sub like you know dubbed to to swedish sometimes i like to watch a movie i've watched many times in a different language because that way it almost becomes like a new movie it's almost always the english version we watch here yeah we're talking about modern animations do you any japanese sort of influenced or any anime or any kind of like that kind of style that you're into or is it mostly american do you appreciate other animation from other places like your studio ghibli or things like that it depends a little bit who you ask actually like if you ask me as in you know making big boy boxing there's a few and i think those those might be quite apparent when you play the game mm -hmm. that we referenced and inspired by but it's a whole not other question if you ask me, you know, like as a, you know, just a animation enjoyer. I, to be fair, like I only watch like, I guess the mainstream mm -hmm. animes. Like there's, I have a few friends that, you know, watch a lot of like animes that haven't even been subtitled to English and stuff like that, you know? So there's, there's like some quite extreme anime viewers. I'm not that, but um, one anime, which I think is like one of the best, like just media ever made is one called Death Note. Oh yeah, Death Mount, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, to be honest, not the animations that does it. It's actually like quite like, I remember I tried to like show the, some clips of that to Ludwig and he was like, you know, where's the animations? Like it's not really moving. It's uh, the cameras moving, the characters aren't mm -hmm. most of the time. It's quite static, but I think the story behind it and, and like the, the style of it, kind of gothic style it has to be so unique and so interesting and actually i prefer in this particular case i really like the english dub but usually i do prefer this japanese version with english uh, mm -hmm. um 
But in this particular case, I think the whoever dubbed it did a amazing job. Is there a fully animated motion picture? It can be computer or otherwise. That's like your favorite animated feature. Because I have one that I want to talk about a little bit, but I'm not sure you're going to be familiar with it. Do you have a favorite animated movie? I have a few. Like there's, I, I could probably tell you like ten that okay. are like equally my favorites. Okay. <laughs> but I will give you. This is really hard, but maybe I really like into the spider-verse that's a great contemporary one i think yes it blew me out of the park when i saw it the first time because because the things i think it's when you see it today it's still a really good movie but when you saw it you know when it released it was a revolutionary picture because to be honest i really like disney projects but i do i actually i don't really like a lot of the newer disney projects i think yeah they had even more magic when they did the like hand drawn stuff mm-hmm. uh, and I, yeah, the Pixar, like the golden age. But uh, I think that into the spider verse really brought back the thunder for animations, movies like Puss in Boots, uh, the Puss in Boots 2 movie and uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, the Turtle Mayhem right. movie. They're both like inspired by that project. And I think, Without that movie, these two movies would probably never have been made or not this good. Yeah. I have a favorite, but it goes back to the 80s, a movie that was called Rock and Rule. Rock and... Like Rock and Roll, except Rock and Rule. Oh, interesting. I've never seen this one. This is a movie... This was a project that was kind of a failure. The company is Nelvana. They were started in 1971. And they did a whole bunch of television animation projects after this. However, this was their first full-length movie. They chose to make this movie over Heavy Metal. Were you familiar with the movie Heavy Metal? Based on the the magazine. No idea. (laughs) More adult. Let's just say adult animation. That's kind of what Heavy Metal was in the magazine section. I wouldn't call it pornography necessarily, but it did have cartoons that were not for children. Maybe they were taking something from sort of the- Hentai. Manga, that's what I was talking (laughs) about, manga, not hentai. No, no, no. (laughs) I thought you were were gonna talk about adult stuff. I was like- (laughs) No tentacles. No, let's keep that away. Heavy metal, it was more of an adult style movie. This movie, Rock and Rule, impacted me as a youngster. I must have been, when I saw this movie, I was probably like 14. Came out in 83, but I didn't see it in the rental shop until far later. Has a very unique style, but what really pulled me in was the music. It had so many different recognizable musical artists that kind of made up the soundtrack and i don't know how many of these artists you know of but there's iggy pop lou reed cheap trick debbie harry from blondie and earth wind and fire they did unique music for the movie specifically it's such a great story about two musicians and one aging musician who wants to end the world the final show because he's such a power hungry kind of 
evil character. So he's looking for a specific voice that will call this demon from another dimension to destroy the world. And it just so happens this woman is, is sort of sort of involved romantically with another character and she disappears and they have to find her. And it's just a, I would highly recommend the movie to someone who appreciates animation because it's just got such a wonderful soundtrack. It was a complete commercial failure. It was published by MGM United Artists in the States, but they put no money behind it. It was one of those ones where you've heard this story before. As a company, you can kill a project that you don't understand by just not publishing any kind of you know promotional material or marketing it in a different way than what it actually is, so on and so forth. So, yeah, this was basically a commercial flop. But Nirvana, as a company, bounced back pretty spectacularly by doing a lot of animation for television programs and such. Pretty interesting. I would highly recommend checking out Rock and Roll if you can find it. I don't know if it's really even available here. I bought, there was like a special edition that came out. Now it's out of print anyway, but check it out. Rock and Roll. If you like rock music, definitely check it out. So that is my little, let me just see here. Or else, uh, oh yeah, yeah, they they did a whole bunch of stuff for like, oh, Inspector Gadget. They were also, one. they did the first Inspector Gadget, this Nirvana company, after failure of the movie. This was where they sunk all their money in and it almost took down the company, but it did not. And also, Rock and Roll was all done the old-fashioned way. Their idea of computer graphics is laughable, but they do talk about computer animations in the making of part of the movie, which is just you look at it and you go, um, not exactly computer animation, <laughs> but they use techniques that they had to use a computer to, to control things in the environment and such. I say Titan AE. I don't know if you saw Titan AE, but I thought that was fabulous. Anything done by Don Bluth. Are you familiar with Don Bluth? He did uh, the, the game Dragon's Lair, the game Space Ace, the Laserdisc games from back in the 80s. He has a very unique style. He also did the Rats of Nim. Mm, yeah, this, um, there's a lot of different kind of um, these people that that's like, you know, has so much behind their back, so to say. Like, they've, they made all, like, I, I just Googled his name now and I can see a lot of different projects that I've, you know, heard of and seen. Yeah. And Dragon Slayer is, um, um, it's not, I mean, I guess it's a little bit uh, of the same, but like we, there's a lot of these, you know, old LucasArts games that people compare Big Boy Boxing to. Oh, really? Like, you know, this makes me feel like uh, these old, the way they're animated and stuff. I've heard that multiple times. And, and um, yeah, that's like quite interesting. Like Day of the Tentacle, like Maniac Mansion, like that kind of? Exactly, exactly. And, 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 and the thing is like, Although I've heard of those projects, I know Ludwig has, in fact, like never heard of those projects until, of course, I mentioned them. But um, we were never inspired by those titles. But uh, people like uh, saw kind of a good, like uh, compared those, which which was quite interesting. So yeah, maybe the you know there's uh, something that we had in common with those games. Maybe we had unknowingly using, let's say, the same animation principles that they're following or something like that, which would be really cool. 
Oh yeah. You know what? I didn't even put two and two together until you mentioned that. I'm thinking like, like your maniac mansion, like your uh, monkey Island, those types. It does intentionally or unintentionally feel like those types of animations in those point and click adventure games. But I'm guessing it's probably because a lot of those games were inspired by that kind of thing too. Like any of the Tim Schafer stuff that he worked on when he was at LucasArts. Not Grim Fandango. What was the other one? Oh, Full Throttle. Full Throttle has an animation style that I would feel would be possibly compared to the big boy boxing style a little bit. I was just going to say that Tim Schafer has um, he's made a game called Psychonauts. Yes. I love both the original game and the Psychonauts 2 game, which is kind of a um, miracle that these second game even got released and then, you know, that it's so good, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, they've been working on it for a while, too, as far as when they got the crowdfunding for it. I think they had a lot of trouble. I, maybe I'm wrong, but I think um, they had, like, uh, a lot of worrying, like, development updates, which uh, I'm very glad that, you know, the game got released. And I think it's, like, one of, at least for that year, like, probably the best platformer. Oh, yeah. It's such a creative, like, creative game. Even the first one, I remember playing that game, loving that game on the Xbox, even though it didn't get released through Microsoft, right? It's, it, it was, I think it's also an interesting story about a game that was dropped by Microsoft Studios is now, for the second version, now Double Fine is kind of under the Microsoft umbrella now even though they dropped the publishing of the title and they had to go with, for the first game, some other publisher. Kind of an interesting sort of thing to see. Microsoft going, oh yeah, yeah, we want Double Fine. But they have done so many great games. Such a great concept and story and just, yeah, I totally agree. Although I didn't like it as much as the very first, but it was amazing. I I almost wonder if, the movie Inception was like inspired by that concept because this was like, you know, this was basically Inception before Inception. <laughs> and uh, I'm wondering if Christopher Nolan was inspired by that idea or if he independently got that idea. I don't know. Christopher Nolan seems a little, I don't know. Even if he did, he wouldn't admit it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if you listened to previous shows. One of my regular co-hosts, Andrew, has sort of a feud going on with Christopher Nolan where he doesn't watch any Christopher Nolan movies. He just kind of like is very anti-Christopher Nolan. But I talked to him about Tenet and I said, you really need to see Tenet, Andrew. You really do. I know you have a problem with Christopher Nolan and his movies, but you got to see Tenet. Just see it. Did you see the movie Tenet? I think Tenet is the movie I probably have rewatched the most times of any movie ever. Oh, really? Yeah, like I'm very near to say, you know, that's maybe one of my favorite movies ever because uh, it's such like a mind-bending movie, which I, I mean, I had to watch it, you know, three times, I think, and watch like, you know, YouTube videos that explained what actually happened before I actually understood. Obviously, you, you enjoyed the movie on your first watch, but... I don't think anyone can actually understand this kind of Rubik's Cube puzzle that they're putting out on the first attempt. Oh, yeah. And uh, I just thought that, you know, every time I, I see that movie, I'm like, how do I... Because usually I think like this, you know, like when, when I see a movie, I see an animation, I, I do anything. I'm like, how can I turn this into 
a game or at least, you know, an idea for a boss fight. Right. But when I see the movie Tenet, I'm like, this is impossible to make to a video game. It's just impossible to make time travel interactive. I'd, I'd have to invent time travel, you know? Right. And, and it's not some, you know, bullshit time travel. It, it's like this closed loop, right? It's, um, it's not really traditional time travel. It's time flowing in two different directions simultaneously, but it is time travel when you break it down, right? But it's just done in, in a way that's unique. Exactly. It's like, like these movies like Back to the Future, like classic movies. I watch them. It feels like thousands of times, but... In those movies, it's um, it's obviously up for debate, but it's not really like time traveling. It's more like parallel dimensions or universes, you know? Right. But in Tenet, it made me feel like, you know, this is what real time travel is. If we remove, you know, any type of alternate universe theories and stuff like that, like it feels like your Tenet would be the result of time traveling existing. It would, you know, this is how it would look. Yeah. Obviously, they, they made it very cinematic with the... Uh, backwards walking and i think that's also just such a i don't know like a very simple concept right and it's such a interesting visual and um i don't know everything about it was interesting that whole fight sequence was amazing in the terminal the airplane yeah oh my god yeah (laughs) i also have a special connection to that movie this isn't meant to be a sad thing at all I saw that movie the day i was told my father had passed away my friend Michaela said, I got to take you out to see a movie. You've wanted to see Tenet, so let's go see Tenet. And it was just the right movie for me to see at that time. It's like my dad and I talked about because he, he enjoyed Inception so much. I didn't like Inception because the main character in Inception, he was not a good guy. He was a thief. Yeah. That's what he was. And I just didn't have a connection, nor did I care whether he was inside a dream, inside a dream, inside a dream, he was an evil guy, so whatever happened to him, I had no connection to that character. Whereas in Tenet, you actually do have a connection with that character. He feels like he's a good-hearted character. So something about Tenet just grabbed me, and I just loved that movie. Just such a great movie. I And I the things I agree with you on exactly all of that. The interesting thing is, like, the common critique mm-hmm. I hear about Tenet is, you know, the other way around, they compare tenets to Inception, and they're like, you know, Inception has better characters, and Tenet doesn't. But um, I, I actually recently rewatched both Inception and Tenet with my father as well, and he agrees with, you know, me and you there with, with like, you know, Inception is good, but is this, this guy like, uh, he's basically a bad guy, right? So, you know, <laughs> and uh, with Tenet, you know, it's. Uh, I guess like um, me and yours um, opinion is in the mi- minority, but a lot of people thought that, you know, the the character was too nameless. He was, you know, you know, he was just called the protagonist and he didn't have any sort of character to, to him. But um, that wasn't really the point where like I first off, I think thought that he did have character. to him, But um, the point of the movie was this like Rubik's Cube puzzle which was like, you know, how does this, all these like threads tie together? And I think they did a beautiful job of tying it together. And I oh, think yeah. the character Neil, you know, the was, was like that, you know, 
I, I thought that was a very interesting character and the dynamic they had, which is like, when you see the movie the first time, you don't understand, like, you, you kind of see it through the eyes of the protagonist. Right. But the second time you watch the movie, you see it through the perspective of Neil. Yeah. Which is so, so interesting. For me, like, it almost felt like a game. Like, fig- the game was figure out what the plot is. <laughs> yeah. And and th- there's a few other movies that's done that. But the annoying thing with this, which I think is why it's uh, I can't get that movie off my mind, is because I can't see how you can make a, truly make an interactable game like this movie. It feels a lot like a video game because, you know, there's a protagonist, a unnamed protagonist. It's almost like, you know, a video game protagonist. There's no way you can make this to a game. <laughs> well, the other thing I was going to mention with your unnamed protagonist and playing a game, you are learning things about what's happening along with the protagonist. That's what makes it great. It's because you and he are learning about what's going on exactly at the same time. It's like, you know as much as he does when you start. So that's why he's also relatable. Not only is he's trying to figure this out and you're along the ride with him, you can relate to him because you're exactly in the same position, which also I think is sort of like, how do you make this into a video game sort of thing? Because it's like you are the unnamed protagonist in the video games too, right? So it's like very interesting. Yeah. So do you have any closing thoughts on the word animate other than buy our game because it's awesome? Yeah, well, yeah. So wishlist our game on Steam. It's available there with a to be wishlisted and there's a demo. And if you follow us on Twitter at Real Supermasters, you'll get updates on when we release uh, a new demo of off the game yes and then also i forgot to ask you about the origin of the name of the company soup masters can we save that for the next time you're on i would love to have you on for another word at some point in the future um maybe closer to the actual release of the game if that's cool and then we can talk about where soup masters came from because that is a fascinating sort of like where did you come up with that name? <laughs> but let's save that for later. Let's let's save that, but I will give a slight ease to it. Okay. It's it has something to do with my start in game development slash programming in Minecraft. Okay. Uh, so it has something to do with that. Okay. You should check out the episode I did with Andrew. Lately we've been doing a Pringles thing. We were talking about Pringles during one of the episodes. And he bought the Suspicious Stew flavored Pringles, which you will know from Minecraft. <laughs> they put out an American flavor called Suspicious Stew Pringles. Oh, <laughs> that is so awesome. Yeah, he did a tasting of the Suspicious Stew flavored Pringles on one of our episodes. I'll send that episode link. <laughs> he didn't get any buff from it, unfortunately. I don't think in the real world you get a buff from the Suspicious Stew flavored Pringles. but Oh. Thank you so much, Martin, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed yourself, and I hope you will consider being on uh, another show later on, closer to when you actually release. Yep, sounds good. Thank you so much as well for the conversation. Oh, yeah, it was wonderful. Thank you. And thank you, audience, for joining us on this week's episode of the Too Vague Podcast. My name is Ben. And once again, my name is Martin from Soup Masters. And we've been your hosts. Have a wonderful night. Bye. Bye.